0: We are We are
1: We are Cultivate Cultivate
0: Cultivate 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 We are Cultivate Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world.
2: These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is French Mythology. I'm your hostess, Ashley, and with me today, as always, are the gorgeous and gregarious Emily and Lindsay. (laughs)
1: Nice. (laughs) Gregarious is very, very appropriate, I think.
2: I gotta flex that
0: vocab, you know? <laughs> it's better flexed and seen. Hell yeah. <laughs> I gotta up my alliteration game.
2: I don't know how... Okay, I'd just like to preface the start of this episode by saying that I've been a hot mess lately. <laughs> and I'm really sorry if this is not as good as my episodes normally are. I worked really hard on it, but I still have short-term memory loss. (laughs) And, uh, oh, fun fact, the short-term memory loss is so bad that I got home last night from recording for the other podcast. (laughs) And I was like, oh, crap, I need to write a script for the guest episode. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's good. If I can ever stop laughing. So I get I get my laptop out and I get on and I'm in our like Google Drive and I'm like, what? There's always, already a script in here. So I open the script and I look at it thinking maybe I started one and just didn't finish it. I do that a lot. Um, I like to come back later and, and finish things, but it was done. It was like completely done. And I read through the questions and they were actually pretty good. And I was like, oh my God. And I, for some reason, I thought Emily had done it. So, so I texted her and I was like, thank you so much for writing this script. And she was like, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, did you think that I was. Saying I was
1: gonna write this thing, or is this passive aggressive? I don't know what's happening.
2: Oh my god, no, no. So, and long story short, I fucking wrote it and I don't remember doing it. And the only reason I know for sure that I did do it is I checked the edit history on the Google Doc and I have no memory of ever writing it. And I don't know if my brain's ever going to work right again. <laughs> um also I haven't done laundry in so long that I'm currently wearing athletic leggings.
1: <laughs> hey, they're comfy though, right?
2: Yeah, they're they're the Witcher leggings too, so Ooh. they're bitchin' looking. they're really cute. <laughs> So anyway, I worked, I want you to know I did work really hard on this episode. I'm just not sure how good it is because, like, my brain apparently just doesn't work right anymore. And we're all desperately hoping it comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I'm so worried. So anyway, context. (laughs) France. We are gonna be in France. No. Um, Well, we are gonna be in France. That's not a lie. All right, so as per usual, I was like, how long have people been in France? And that's where I started at. So if this gets weird and disjointed, I'm super sorry. Please don't hate me. <laughs> anyway, stone tools discovered in Shelac and Les Zinnias La That's right. Really slowly, but I did okay. That's a <laughs> lot of syllables indicate that human ancestors may have occupied the area now known as France as early as at least 1.6 million years ago.
0: Damn, son. Mm -hmm.
2: If your brain didn't just explode, were you listening? (laughs) 1.6 million years ago, that's a long-ass time. Mm -hmm. I felt
0: something pop, so something in my brain
1: was like, yeah. (laughs) Was it in your brain or was it in your pants? It wasn't in
0: my pants.
2: my god. I didn't go.
1: (laughs) The little movement to go with the noise was exactly what I needed. Thank you. Oh
2: my god. Anytime. I don't even know how to continue after. (laughs) Alright, just go for it. Uh, The earliest modern humans, and by modern humans, I mean Homo sapiens. That's our current species. Um, We entered Europe approximately 43,000 years ago. But, unfortunately, the earliest written records from French history date back considerably less far. About 40,000 years less, to be exact. Oh,
0: damn. Damn.
2: Yeah.
1: For a long time, we just went, we have rocks. Rock, rock, rock. Smash thing with rock. Yeah.
2: I mean, I like to think of it as I'm too busy trying not to die to write things down. <laughs> <laughs> Your way works, too. <laughs> I'm too busy beating things with rocks
0: to be able to sit down and write down my thoughts.
2: Mm-hmm. I saw 2001 want space on <laughs> <laughs> I know how this works <laughs> but yeah so anyway the earliest records are from the iron age which in europe is uh the first millennium bce now you may have already guessed it but a lot of the information we have from that period was written by the goddamn romans mm-hmm. what 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um they referred to the area we call france as gaul so i'm gonna be saying gaul a bunch of times in the next like 30 seconds or so uh according to their writings there were three main ethno-linguistic groups occupying the region the gauls the aquitane and the Belgae. And no, I don't mean like someone who really likes Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that Bell guy.
0: Always smells like meat.
2: (laughs) Oh goodness. The largest of these was, as you've likely guessed, the Gauls. So they were just like, okay, the whole fucking place is called this now. We don't care.
1: Unless you talk to the people from Aquatan and then they were
2: like, fuck you, man. Fuck you. They are like, oh, okay, then we'll just call it Barbarianville. And they were like, right, Gaul is fine. (laughs) (laughs) The Gauls were a Celtic people who spoke the Gaulish language, but the Romans really didn't give two shits about their unique practices, beliefs, or language. They only cared about dominating them and colonizing their territory in the name of Rome. Because, like, that's what they do. Aside from wearing skirts fashionable skirts and sandals but they rocked them they wore those skirts well it was a solid look i mean we still do it in spring now so it's like that's how good it is just saying and their aqueducts were cool their aqueducts were cool but i still don't like them because they were not nice people anyway back to the story though um the greeks and the carthaginians also colonized different areas of modern day france around this same time as well so the romans weren't the only ones being assholes the greeks also sucked and the carthaginians also sucked everybody was like mine 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 and then they licked it and it was theirs <laughs> that's the short version of history that they won't tell you in high school
0: <laughs> just go in, lick it it's yours There was way more licking than you (laughs) realized.
1: It wasn't flags. They they made flags up later because it was just too awkward to explain all the
0: licking that occurred. (laughs) That's why flags are lick shaped. And by lick shaped, I mean tongue. (laughs) Because I forgot what it's called. (laughs) That liquor that you got in your mouth. (laughs) You know, the liquor thing that you lick stuff with.
2: Oh, good God.
0: It was not just you. (laughs) also me
2: on the western edge of this region is where our story today is set so let's turn our focus toward the area we now know as Brittany, which i once foolishly thought was part of england but it's not it's france and i'm a dumbass
0: (laughs) i didn't know that either and to be fair i didn't know i thought the gauls were in england until this story started i thought they were like a clan in england once upon a time so
2: history is fucking weird so i'm learning stuff so thank you (laughs) and we rename things all the time and it's confusing for those of us who have weird brains (laughs) um the first identifiable inhabitants of Brittany were the celts but they likely intermingled with the earlier populations responsible for building the great stone menhirs and dolmens that still stand today Um, A men here is kind of like a big egg-shaped looking fucking thing that just kind of stands up. Like, think of it as a monolith, but if a monolith were shaped like an egg.
1: Like a giant rock
2: suppository? Yes, exactly like that, but it doesn't go up your butt because it would tear you to pieces. (laughs) Good news! It's
0: a suppository. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say like a giant dinosaur egg.
2: Yeah. yeah kind of yeah that's actually way better than the description i gave so go with that one really big dinosaur egg All right and i gotta relook at a dolmen before i try to describe it because otherwise i'm gonna do a terrible job okay a dolmen looks like a table for giants <laughs> that's pretty cool
1: what if it was actually a
2: table for giants, though? Maybe it is. It's like a few legs that vary in number and then a big flat thing on top. It's a it's a table for giants made of rock.
1: Early carports.
2: Yes, that too. The Flintstones. Where do you put
1: your carriage when it's raining? I mean...
2: Under the pterodactyl.
0: you a giant golden goose on the top of the table.
2: <laughs> Jack and the Beanstalk. Anyway, back to this (laughs) story, because that's a different story that we should probably tell at some point, because why the fuck not? We do whatever we want on this show. That's how we roll. (laughs) Like describing structures that took a lot of time to build as tables for giants, and that's just how we do things. It's fine. Conquered by none other than Gaius Julius Caesar in 56 BCE, the Romans renamed this area Armorica, which is a Romanization of the Celtic word for seaside. I mean, not bad. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty, but. Gonna be honest with you, I can't say Gaius Julius Caesar without making my always joke, which is that Gaius is like the Roman version of Steve. <laughs> And that's why we just call him Julius Caesar, but I'm like, I feel like you'd hate it if I said your whole name, so I'm gonna take that. Mm -mm. The Celtic peoples of Armorica were never more than superficially assimilated into Roman culture. After the Romans withdrew in the 5th and 6th centuries, sorry, 5th and 6th centuries, it's plural, Uh, An influx of Celts arrived in the area from Britain, seeking refuge from the Anglo-Saxon invaders. It's from this event that the name Brittany is derived. So Brittany is related to Britain, but I'm still really dumb for thinking it was in England, and I'm never going to let myself live it down, because if I don't make fun of me and shame me for my mistakes, who will? (laughs) That never
1: made it into the episode, though. I cut that part.
2: I know, but now we're gonna talk about it and deal with how stupid I am about some that's things. Stupid. I forgot what a tongue is called, okay. Like although once <laughs> once in a while I do get I do get shamed by my co-hosts for my mistakes, like when I said voiced and I did not mean voiced.
0: <laughs> and that's I forgot okay. about that,
2: And that's okay. That set us up for a whole day of <laughs> rough recording. <laughs> Over the next three centuries, the Celts were gradually converted to Christianity by missionaries from the British Isles. As we have discussed in previous episodes where we explored the beliefs of the Celts, the introduction of Christianity led to a strange intermixing of ancient Celtic beliefs and the Christian faith as the newer religion gradually supplanted the older rituals and beliefs previously held in the area. That's a process, right? not something that happens immediately the missionaries don't land and just snap their fingers and it's like poof crosses everywhere like mm-hmm. you don't have any pagan monuments anymore they're gone doesn't work like that they tried they do try super hard but it takes time one example that fits well uh with this week's story and helps to illustrate that point is that several uh high elevation points so not necessarily mountain peaks but some of them are mountain peaks i was trying to make a like a a nice grouping but it didn't work out well so you know whatever um several high points in brittany that were once sites of importance and devotion to the ancient celtic religion now bear the name mont saint michel and the sanctuary is built there in the archangel michael's name were almost certainly meant to supplant the ancient deities that were originally worshiped in these same spaces. So they were like, hey, let's build some new stuff here. Let's call everything uh, Saint Michael, which that's what Saint-Michel means if you did not know that. I promise it's right. I triple checked it because I'm so bad at French, but I checked true fact. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, ta-da. It's Christian now. We did it. It took a really long time because we had to build a bunch of shit without modern tools, but we did it. Now, if you did not know this, which is fair if you didn't, we're not going to judge and I'm just going to do the nice thing here and not assume everybody knows things that I know. (laughs) Because some people know things that I don't know, like that Brittany is (laughs) a (laughs) friend. But if you didn't know, um, Michael, like Lucifer, was one of the oldest archangels in existence. And he's renowned as a fierce warrior who slayed many demons in the wars between good and evil, even doing battle against Satan himself in the book of Revelation. So you're thinking, like if you're thinking angels and you're like, oh, they're so beautiful and peaceful, no, he'll kill you with his big flaming sword, like you're dead now, sorry. This isn't
0: the the John Travolta version.
2: No, No. but I I like that movie, though. (laughs) It's good. Chain of food. All right. Anyway, back to this. Not that. Although I fucking love that movie and now I really want to watch it. (laughs) Now, I have no focus because, like, since I have no short-term memory, I'm like squirrel. (laughs) Like my dog. It's awesome. Toad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god Those are gonna come back soon And I'm not prepared for it Um so it's very Meaningful that the location of One of these elevated places Named in the archangel's Honor happens to be Mont Saint Sorry let me try that again Fucking French man Your language is so pretty But I'm so bad at it (laughs) Mont Saint-Michel Day brass par, still not good enough, but I—that's the best I can do. Sorry, France. I tried really hard. Anyway, that's a peak that overshadows the specific place on which our story for this week is centered. So I think it's a good place to take a break. (laughs) All right, everybody, we're finished with our appetizers. I'll be back with the main course right after this. Enjoying the meal?
1: consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple, Podchaser, Good Pods, or Spotify. It's free, and it helps our little restaurant get noticed by others with your spectacularly good taste.
2: If you want to help support the restaurant, you can rock some of our merch from RT Public Shop, or buy us a fresh slice on Buy Me a Coffee, because we can never get enough.
0: If you simply can't get enough pineapple pizza, become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget.
2: Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away.
1: You can find all the links to our social media, streaming platforms, and support pages in the show notes and on PineapplePizzaPodcast.com.
0: That's PineapplePizzaPodcast.com.
2: And we're back. I hope you're hungry because it's time for our main course. Just
1: not coming from the trash can is it
2: (laughs) yes i dumpster dove for this and you will appreciate it
0: (laughs) did it get did it fall on the floor and i picked it up and i still ate it
2: five second rule so still good
1: it is a real thing
2: okay among the ancient jagged peaks of the mont dary in Brittany lies the vast and gloomy peat bog known as the yun la's in this desolate area tinged with a pervasive air of melancholy, you can find the Udik A swamp said to be of infinite depths that serves as the gateway to hell. Ooh it's swampy. Now I'm thinking about Shrek, I don't know why. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> Hot take. The whole
1: theory that it's the gateway to hell was just some propaganda he put out there to keep people away from his house.
2: <laughs> 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 That's a nice boulder. I like that boulder. <laughs> 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 Alright. Should you choose to tread through the Yune L.A.'s, you must beware. For the Udic is surrounded by land solid in appearance that in the summertime is carpeted in stunning purple heather. Ooh. But the incautious can easily lose their footing and find themselves descending into the netherworld should an imprudently placed foot cause them to stumble at the wrong time. Such has been the fate of many unfortunate souls that have passed through the gateway before. Those who have looked upon the eudic and lived to tell the tale claim that if you lean over it, its murky waters can be seen to simmer and boil at times from the infernal forces that work beneath the surface. But not all who plunged into the fearsome depths of the Utic were the victims of circumstance. Many were cast forcibly there by the people of Brittany in an effort to return their wicked souls to their rightful place in hell. And it's these souls consumed by the swamp we must fix our gaze upon. Whose hands thrust these bodies through the gateway to the underworld? I promise, friends, I'll tell you. Lean closely, for this tale is best told in a low voice.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Spooky.
2: The souls of the dead who'd led wicked lives do not undertake penance as other souls do. These malevolent spirits, coming from the likes of murderers and thieves, instead choose to amuse themselves after death by terrorizing the living and wreaking havoc in their homes and barns. Throughout Brittany, there were many legends of such spirits taking on the form of a massive, spectral black dog that roamed lonely places And we're often associated with areas such as crossroads, sunken pathways, springs, fountains, and even certain ponds. I
1: think black dogs are
2: fun. Oh, this is going to be a good one, I think. I don't know how I'm going to maintain this voice the whole fucking time, though. I don't think I can do it. But I'm going to try really hard.
1: <laughs> you just hit some point and you go, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> I give up.
2: I'll be like, fuck this. My real voice is abrasive and you're going to take it <laughs> <laughs> Called Kidu in the Breton language, these dogs were frequently described as being enormous in size and often possessing flaming red eyes. However, there were also stories of such Spectral canines roaming the lands without a head at all in search of their old masters. Not their heads, though? Mm -mm. Not their heads, though. They don't need that. You don't need a head. It's, like, optional.
0: Do they eat with their neck stumps? You just shove (laughs) it in there? You just
2: shove it down? (laughs) Like the poo goat from the Philippines? (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) shove it in the neck stump? (laughs) Shove it in the neck stump title of the episode. Maybe. We don't know.
0: That's the title of my memoir.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. For many, attempting to live amongst these mischievous forces was too difficult to bear, and it was rarely long before a priest was summoned to perform an exorcism. Not just any priest would do, of course. No. It had to be a strong priest, sure in his faith and firm in his science. If you wanna fucking call that science, okay, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) For only one such as this could do battle with these wicked souls and hope to defeat them. Even then, only through hours of vigorous battle can an evil soul be subdued sufficiently. And that's where the other whispers about the true nature of these black beasts comes into play. Many believe the black dogs roaming Brittany were actually exorcised spirits that had escaped the clutches of the priests meant to rid the world of their evil forever. You see, when a priest weakened a malevolent spirit through exorcism, he could then conjure that soul into the body of a black dog. And by tying his stole around its neck, the spirit could then be imprisoned within the canine form and not able to escape poor dog yeah oh by the way for anyone who doesn't know i googled priest stole because like let's be honest am I religious and my fucking catholic no it turns out a priest stole is that colored thing that they put over their shoulders and they're normally kind of look like those graduation cords or whatever but they're like silky looking and they usually have little crosses on them so there you oh. go
1: they're like little uh, chest liquor things, right, Wins?
0: Yeah, like, like, yeah. Chest flags, chest flags, tongues. Yeah, chest tongues. Gross. <laughs> I <ate Ew>.
2: <laughs> They don't tell you this in the story, but the trick is to do it fashionably, like so it looks like a little canine ass garden. That's how you keep the <laughs> <a> demons. <tongue. laughs> Got to tie it just right. Got to tie it just right. Otherwise, that's demons gonna get right out of that canine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. Alright, I'm not drunk. Everything's fine. But make no mistake, the battle was not yet won. These hellish canines continued to fight valiantly for their freedom even after being trapped inside the dogs. The priest would have to lead this imprisoned spirit from presbytery to presbytery until finally reaching the rector of Comana in the west of Brittany. This is the closest to the de Ari. From there, the priest would either walk alone or with the assistance of another and lead this beast out into the perilous vastness of Yun elaise All the while, the beasts would use their powers to make the ground tremble and fill the wind with horrible sounds to torment their captors. While dealing with these forces, the priest must remember at all times to never look behind them under any circumstances.
1: Oh, I would fail so
2: fast. (laughs) Same. (laughs) What's back there? For should they choose to do so, they would be seized by invisible arms and dragged down into hell themselves for eternity. Oh, Ghost arms. <laughs> Don't you hate when there's like someone whispering behind you and you turn around, there's no one there, and then you get seized and drugged into the depths of hell forever? Me yeah. too. It's yeah. the worst. I
0: just, I just picture them like those sticky arms that you'll fling out and they like stick to windows. From like
2: gumball machines? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. It's like
0: that, but giant. Yeah, just two giant ones and they are just like slapping out and they wrap around you.
1: You don't feel like it's one of those old-timey things where they put the hook out on stage and they pull
2: somebody <laughs> yeah. Your time is up, you're not funny! <laughs> you already thanked your mama, get off the stage! <laughs> your speech is too long, we don't care! <laughs> if they reached the edge of the chasm that was the eudic successfully, the priest would then grab the dog and hurl it into those unfathomable depths. Returning that evil spirit to hell forever.
1: But what about the puppy?
2: It dies. That's not cool. No, it isn't. PETA is not going to be cool with this. I don't like it either. I do not condone this. I love dogs. I think you should just, if someone seems like they're possessed, let's just throw that motherfucker (laughs) into the cutic. (laughs) Leave the dog out of it. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying better than the dog in my opinion, but what do I know? Not to throw a dog into a swamp, that's what I know. (laughs) However, if the priest lost control over the dog before reaching the Udic, or accidentally dislodged the stole from around its neck in the course of throwing it into the swamp, the spirit would then flee to the westernmost peak of the Montaigne Noir, aka the Black Mountains, if you speak english but montaigne noir sounds better
1: it does it does
2: also sounds like it'd be a good wine yeah it probably is it tastes like death
1: (laughs) is it gritty
2: (laughs) no Mm. (laughs) tastes like it has the delicious pungency of dirt (laughs) because that's where you go when you die unless you get hurled into a swamp
1: Just frisbeed into
0: a swamp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeeted in there.
2: Once there, it would restore its strength before returning to its old haunts once more to resume its torment of the living. You know, because they're evil, Mm -hmm. so. You can't just chill in the mountains forever. You gotta fuck with people or you're not doing your job right.
1: I mean, it, it does make eternity more fun, entertaining.
2: This is true. I could agree with that, but since I'm 1,501, I think people will get ideas about what I do in my free time. (laughs) To paint a more detailed picture of how this would play out, let's turn to the story of Job Andres, a sexton who assisted his parish. His parish. God damn it. That word's hard. I don't know why. (laughs) It's because I'm not Christian. I'm not allowed to say parish. who assisted his parish priest with such matters. One evening, Job and the priest set out in the waning light destined for the Udic. The anxiety in the air was almost palpable as they dragged the immense black dog behind them. The priest said to Job, If he should get away, both of us are lost. As Job tied the cord he was using to lead the dog along even more tightly about his wrist, he replied, I'll wager he does not. Resigned to what must be done, the priest hung his head and said, Forward then. He walked boldly ahead of Job until they reached the foot of the mountain nearest the eudic. Then the priest stopped for a moment, and said to Job in an anxious voice, "'You must be circumspect in this place. "'Whatever you may hear, be sure not to turn your head. "'Your life in this world and your salvation in the next "'depend absolutely upon this. "'Do you understand me?' "'Yes, sir, I understand,' Job answered. "'The darkness of the night seemed to push in on them "'like a vast velvet curtain.' and the air felt heavy with desolation. Still, they pressed onward toward the swamp, the waters of which seemed to hiss and moan in anticipation of its coming prey.
1: Yeah, that's a little uncomfortable.
2: I think it's probably a sexual moan, but maybe I'm the only one who loves food that much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I've been waiting for that dog all day.
2: I'm not going to judge. I don't kink shame swamps. (laughs) 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 Mm, Short term memory loss. Don't remember where I was. (laughs) Do
1: you suffer from short term memory loss?
2: I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there we go. The moonlight caused those murky waters to gleam, and the surface appeared to writhe in anticipation as they approached. As Job gazed upon it, he whispered, surely this must be the gateway to hell. When the dog heard that final word, it began to howl so frightfully, the sound made Job's blood freeze inside his veins. With the mighty strength of a demon, the beast began to pull as hard as it could upon the cord, tethering it to the sexton's wrist. Its snarling betrayed its desire to turn upon Job and tear him to pieces.
1: Arm just goes flying off. I did my best.
2: Well, you know, sometimes you just get mauled by a demon dog, I guess. I I don't know what to tell you. Dangerous line of work, I guess. Probably really high insurance rates. The Winchesters might agree. They would, yes. The priest shouted, Hold on! Hold on, I entreat you, or else we are undone! But he did so from a safe distance, rather than coming to his companion's aid. Dick! I didn't say it, but I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Job mustered all of his strength and resolved to restrain the beast, although its continued howling had indeed driven terror into the man's very heart, causing it to beat in a fearful frenzy. Though the cord had cut into his wrist and hand, causing Job's blood to spill from his scarred palms, the man maintained his fierce grip to that cord clinging with all of his might as he inched the beast ever closer to the bubbling swamp. At the last moment, the black creature turned and sprang at Job with its mouth open, fierce teeth preparing to dig into the sexton's throat and taste his blood.
1: Doc! <laughs> <laughs> first thought, let it just sail over you. <laughs> Doc's dog's like, ''Shit!''
2: but the priest darted forward and threw his cloak over the beast's head in one fluid motion and seized it before it could reach Job that
1: works too I guess
2: yeah from its canine throat burst forth a shriek that tore through the night like the wail of a lost soul that gave me chills good creepy (laughs) "'Quick!' cried the priest. "'Lie flat on the earth and put your face to the ground!' They had scarcely managed to do so when a magnificent wind bore down upon them. Then they heard the sound of the body hitting the water, followed by an uproar of cries, hisses, and shrieks, which could only have emanated from the very bowels of hell." This lasted for half an hour before gradually fading away, leaving a terrible silence in its wake.
1: That's a long time to be sitting there just listening to creepy-ass screaming.
2: Yeah. Let's all close our eyes for a moment and imagine that we're laying in the dirt waiting for screaming to die down. For half an hour. Yeah, close your eyes. Close them. it's that but for half an hour and your face is in the dirt so there you go
1: (laughs) i mean waiting for my uh, tea to microwave in the morning for a minute and a half is a long time i can't imagine a whole half hour
2: i feel like we can safely assume they peed their pants as well because like i just feel like they did i just that's how the story goes in my head
1: it's swampy land nobody would know the difference they're probably wet anyway
2: yeah, just play cool. Fair enough, fair enough. Only when it subsided completely did the two men rise trembling to their feet and begin to slowly work their way blindly through the darkness as they made their way back, leaving the dreadful gravity of the Yoon L.A.'s behind them. And that's the story, bitches! <laughs> I liked it.
1: This was, was spooky. Like hellhounds.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about hellhounds when we come back from the last break. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about hellhounds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're all finished with our main course, so let's take a short break before we bring out the dessert. It's hellhounds, because I already said it like four times. (laughs) That's what you're getting for dessert, hellhounds. (laughs) Surprise! I'm Paige. The host of Reverie True Crime. I tell stories of helpless victims, vicious killers, predators watching their prey before they strike, survivors, petty crimes, people we think we know who do the unthinkable, and the dangers that lurk not only in the dead of night, but in plain sight and the light of day. Every once in a while, I'll also tell stories of the frightening paranormal, elusive cryptids, haunted locations, and conspiracies that may be silly or thought-provoking. You can listen to Reverie True Crime wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we're back! I hope you saved some room for dessert because this week's final course is pretty big not gonna lie to you it's fucking hell out <laughs> okay so let's get down to it dogs do have a fairly prevalent association with the underworld the first one that springs to my mind personally is greek mythology's cerebris mm-hmm. or cerebrus, depending on where you like to put the emphasis on which syllable so you know do it do it your own way i've heard it both ways I have heard it both ways, actually. <laughs> so that works on, like, three different levels. <laughs> the massive, three-headed dog that guards the gates of the underworld to prevent the souls from escaping, in service to his master, Hades. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What a good boy. He's the goodest boy. <laughs> I hope he gets all the treats. <laughs> Do you think he wags his tail
1: and all of his heads go down? He's like, yeah,
2: yeah, am I a good boy? He does wag his serpent tail, yes, really hard, and it hits it hits people, and they're like, "Oh my God, the afterlife is so hard!"
1: (laughs) Sweeps all these
2: souls back and forth. (laughs) Not again! (laughs) Who said he was a good boy? Why? Why?
1: (laughs) People on Earth are like, "God, the torture down there must be horrible. Listen to all the screaming!"
2: In British and Scandinavian folklore, they speak of a spirit known as the Grimm, which I'm guessing Harry Potter fans are like, Hey, I've heard of that before. Woo! Yeah, that's actually a generic word for spirits that's, that associate with humans and haunt human dwellings. But lore does state that the Grimm often takes the form of a large black dog. They are frequently associated uh, with specific churches and said to be unable to leave their designated churchyard. So if it's an actual church grim or kirkagrim, you are stuck there. Like, that's your territory. You're not allowed to go anywhere else. Keep in mind that these are specifically viewed as omens of impending death. So you wouldn't exactly want to hang out there waiting to see it.
1: So go to church and pray, but don't look at the dog because you're going to die.
2: Yes. You're going to die anyway, but, yeah, you know, don't look at the dog. Don't do it. But, you know, I specifically want to talk about hellhounds, the broader mythological figure. It's kind of like an umbrella under which the other two examples we just talked about could fall. So hellhounds are exactly what the name suggests. They're dogs that serve the underworld, and that's pretty cool. And I like to think they all have really cool colors and really cool names, and maybe they get treats that are shaped like pitchforks. I'm just pulling it out there. That'd be really cool. Like, oh, you're such a good boy. And then pitchfork treat. <laughs> That's how it goes in my head anyway. These dogs appear in mythologies all over the world. So in addition to the places I've already mentioned, you can find hellhounds popping up in lore from Latin America, the United States, India, Arabia, and many other places in Europe that I didn't already freaking mention. So I'm not gonna go through the whole list. We'll be here for a while, but these things are everywhere. So it's not like it's an isolated thing. Now I have to be honest. My personal fascination with hellhounds largely comes from more modern pop culture adaptations. Like, hellhounds are such a big part of culture that they find their way into all kinds of different places if you're looking for them. Dungeons and Dragons can include hellhounds depending on, you know, what your DM decides to do that day. Definitely use the hellhounds though, because otherwise I'll be sad forever. <laughs> Uh, the first Ghostbusters movie features two hellhounds named Zool and Vince. The hellhound Samael is one of the main antagonists in the first Hellboy movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's fucking creepy looking, too. Yeah. I would not want that thing Mm-mm. coming at me Nothing. ever. Hellhounds even appear in the nightmare sequence in Dawn Bluth's. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, that's a oh, children's yeah. movie, and it has freaking hellhounds in that it. That movie was dark.
1: That was, like, almost Watership Down kind of dark. Yeah, I was
2: obsessed with that movie when I was a kid. I used to watch that shit all the time.
1: And ball your eyes out.
2: Never knew that those were hellhounds until, you know, I was three days ago, years old, when I found out that there were hellhounds in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that movie is dark. It is dark. It's really good though. Mm-hmm. But you'll cry about it forever. A lot. So <laughs> a lot. But let's be real and I know Emily's waiting for it. I can just like sense that Emily's waiting for this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go through this episode and not mention two of my personal favorite modern series that have used Hellhounds in them. <laughs> so the first one is the one Emily's waiting for, Supernatural.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
2: So they have more of a conventional um, use of hellhounds in the show, but they do some fun shit with them that I really like. So hellhounds serve Lucifer in this world by showing up on our world and hunting down damned souls for him. So, like, typically we see them when individuals who have made demon deals and have run out of their allotted time to enjoy whatever thing was worth selling their soul to the devil... And when their time is up, the hellhounds come up and torment them for a while and then maul you to death and you go to hell. And it's pretty cool.
1: And you can't ever see them. You just see people getting shredded.
2: Yep, that's what I was just going to say. That's the part that I really love about what they did with them. Mm -hmm. So hellhounds in Supernatural can't be seen by anybody else. So you know that you're being tormented by this thing nobody else can see it nobody fucking knows what's going on so everyone thinks you're crazy which is an added bonus there's like a nice psychological warfare element to the whole thing but you know eventually they rip you apart and it turns out they do look like dogs because we do eventually see them um it takes a really long time though because you have to be damned to see a hellhound or you have to be a demon, but you know, demons are damned souls that have been in hell for a really long time. So it works. When we do finally see a hellhound in Supernatural, they are like these massive spe- spectral dogs. Like they have very, um, very poorly defined edges. Like they're very blurry. They're, I would say they're kind of like a translucent in appearance, looking wolf thing, mm-hmm. and their back for some reason is always like really arched. I don't know if it's because they're on attack mode twenty four seven or what, but like that's <laughs> what that's what it looks like. And of course, it's terrifying, and you would not want it to jump on you, and it has huge claws because that's what it rips you to pieces with. Mm-hmm. In addition to its teeth, so they look really fucking cool when you do finally see them. But most of the time, Emily's right. It's just like, oh, something smashed through this window and landed on the table and broke it. And like Dean's pointing a shotgun at something and I can't see what it is. (laughs) You can't see them, but they're really cool. And there's like a really fun scene later and I can't remember which scene, like which season it's in. But at one point there are two hellhounds that end up fighting each other because Crowley has his own personal Uh hellhound. Yep that's apparently much larger than the other hellhound that's after them but even that fight you can't fucking see anything like you see blood
1: yep and you <laughs> hear it. it and things get knocked over and
2: you hear it you see the effects of the fight you see the damage throughout the room and you hear like them snarling and crying out sometimes when one of them gets hurt but you do you only see the blood and the effect on the room that's it you don't see the dogs I guess it's cheaper that way. I don't know. I'm not a special effects person. (laughs) The second one that I absolutely have to bring up, I love because it's really fun and it's a highly unconventional depiction of a hellhound. And this one is from Good Omens. Now, if you haven't seen the series, which is based on the book of the same title by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, the basic premise is that There's this unlikely friendship that unfolds over the centuries between an angel and a demon. Like, they're obviously not supposed to be friends. And the demon's name actually happens to be Crowley, but it's spelled like Crowley. And at one point, it's pronounced Crowley, but then he doesn't like it and changes it to Crowley later. Because, like, why not? I don't know why I felt the need to throw that out there, but I did. It happened. So, um... It's this friendship that develops between the two of them. And the problem is that Crowley has developed a fondness for life on Earth. So even though his whole mission to be there is supposed to be to help facilitate the end of the world, when it comes to the point that it's about to be time for the end of the world, he makes a deal and now, for some reason, I'm like grasping and grasping, and the the, the name of the angel's just like not coming to my head. So please bear with me for one second while I check it because it's uh, it's gonna drive me insane. Not Castiel. No. Ugh, a zero fail. I don't know why I couldn't get that. It was just like not fucking there. The only one I could think of was Michael, and and Michael is in it, but he's a total fucking dick. So we're not gonna talk about Michael. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure if if I'm remembering right, Michael is played by John Hamm, which totally works. Oh, If nice. you think oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, he makes a deal with this angel he's ended up inadvertently becoming friends with named Aziraphale, and they decide that they're going to actually thwart the plan to bring about the end of the world. So this baby, the Antichrist, is born, and part of the way they end up trying to thwart it is that Crowley has the... Crowley has the baby switched, like, to the wrong families. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome.
1: The Antichrist is still gonna be the Antichrist, isn't he?
2: Maybe. I don't know. It depends if you believe on nurture versus nature, oh, I guess. Nice. Anyway, um, on the Antichrist's 11th birthday, he receives a hellhound as a gift. Now... They explain this, like, in the book and in the show, which is, like, it's very important for the hellhound to make its appearance to the Antichrist, and then the boy has to name the dog. Once he names the dog, the boy will be the dog's master forever, for eternity. But the name that he gives the dog will also affect the dog's appearance, So when we first see this hellhound, like, wandering through the woods when it's on its way to meet its master, it's really terrifying looking. I mean, it's obviously fucking CGI, but it's like, this big dog, it's got, I can't think of any other way to describe it besides teeth for days. It has (laughs) teeth for days, and it just looks really terrifying. Like, the only reason it lives is to rip out throats. So it's like, wandering through the woods like that. Anyway, the boy meets the dog, and what would you like to guess what he names the dog? Fluffy. No, but I love that. What do you think, Lens?
0: I was also gonna say Fluffy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, for Fluffy. Um, he actually names the dog drumroll. I can't do a drumroll. Nice. Dog. He names <laughs> a dog. Oh I <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And the dog <laughs> the dog ends up transforming from that large, terrifying dog into this normal little fluffy black and white dog that ends up just kind of chasing cats around.
1: <laughs> I love it.
2: <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Like, its eyes will still glow like a little bit at certain points. But for the most part, it literally just looks like a cute little dog that you found outside and brought in your home and you're going to take care of and love forever. yeah that's got to be one of my favorites and also the first time i saw the show i was like oh my god what's he gonna name it what's he gonna name it what's he gonna name it and then he was like dog (laughs) all right wow thanks for flipping me off neil gaiman and terry pratchett that's fine (laughs) so anyway i'm not gonna give her i'm not gonna give away what ends up happening with the hellhound or the end of the world, because I don't want to fucking ruin the whole plot. If you have Amazon Prime, if you have Prime Video, fucking just watch it. It's like six episodes. It's really good. When David Tennant and Michael Sheen are in it. So just watch it. Ooh. It's good shit. So anyway, that's the episode for the day. <laughs> uh, ingredients for this dish were sourced from... Spence Lewis, the Udic from his book Legends and Romances of Brittany, and I access that on the website sacredtext.com because so I'm porn and I didn't want to pay for another book. A really amazing blog post that I definitely encourage everyone to read called The Black Dogs of Brittany. Uh, the blog itself is called Bonjour from Brittany. An article by Graham Davis called Black Dogs, Church Grimms, and Hellhounds, Supernatural Canines in British Folklore. And that is from um, the Role Player GURPS newsletter. Um, a page on the Udic from the Encyclopedia Mythica. A bunch of Wikipedia pages that I'm not going to go through. And um, a page on... Gall from Encyclopedia Britannica, as well as a page on Brittany from Encyclopedia Britannica. And finally, a little page on Dog from the Good Omens wiki. <laughs> on dog. <laughs> dog. Yep, Dog. That had to be hard to Google. <laughs> um, I was like, Good Omens Hellhound. That I think that's what I typed in, because I was like, I'm not going to Google Good Omens Dog. I feel like I'm going to get weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah, so that's the story for this week. Does anyone have anything good to share? Or I guess we could do something spooky if people want to, since I did a creepy story about hell today.
0: The the weather here in Minnesota was really nice today. It was like in mid-40s. So we actually went outside today so I could help my youngest sell Girl Scout cookies to the neighbors. And
1: you didn't burst
0: into flame? Mm, that's good. There's just enough cloud cover that I was okay. Oh. Good, good. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> She's just left standing there with the boxes, like mom.
2: <laughs> oh my god, what am I gonna tell dad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have anything because it's been like a really, really bad week to be Ashley. So, um. Oh wait, now I guess I can try to turn my horrible thing into a good thing. I got I finally got to wear this beret that I bought a really <laughs> long time ago. And I'm always like, it looks really cute, but you're always like, when the fuck is it when do you wear a beret? Like mm-hmm. anyway, um I had to wear it to a funeral though, so that was not fun no. um, at all. But I did finally get to wear my beret. And I liked it. I thought it looked cute. I'm definitely going to try to wear it other times. Because, like, who cares if people don't think I should be wearing a beret? I'm going to do it anyhow. I bet you looked amazing. I thought I looked really cute. I looked very Jackie Kennedy. Like, my outfit was on point, even though it was a funeral.
1: Stylish and classy.
2: Yes. that's, That's what I was going for. I feel like I pulled it off, so... It was good stuff. Except for the part where it was horrible, but... I have to focus on stupid things like my outfit when I'm sad, because otherwise I can't get through stuff. So I over- I put- overthought my entire wardrobe. And that's okay, because you gotta do what you gotta do.
1: Yeah. Mine isn't, uh, cookies or a stylish beret. I got my tax return, so I was pretty stoked about that, because- been living paycheck to paycheck like scraping by this semester mm-hmm. so getting that tax return very quickly was very much appreciated so i can live breathe a little bit
2: and live a little more comfortably yeah i need to hurry up and get my taxes done i need to get i do my own so i need to hurry up and get that done yeah same yeah i need to do mine too ugh it's so much work though
0: turbo tax I- that's what i i use my block
2: <laughs> i yeah i do too and it's not that bad it's just like annoying how much stuff you have to enter like it's mm-hmm. not hard you don't have to like sit there and figure a bunch of shit out it's just like annoying because you have to enter so mm-hmm. much information before you can save everything and be done
0: mm-hmm.
2: i'm like bitter about it but it's fine it's way cheaper doing them yourself than getting them done so yeah
1: I remember the days when we used to have to go to the post office and get the the paper, the forms. Yeah, the forms, yeah. and you had to have to, and you had no idea what you were doing or what kind of deduction, and you would never get anything good back. I'm sure the government was like, "Fuck you, TurboTax."
2: <laughs> when well, I was your age, Frankfurters only cost a nickel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Emily's not old. We all know I'm the oldest one here, sort of. In one sense, I'm the oldest one here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know what I am. I think I'm supposed to be just like a mortal, right? I I don't know. Yeah, because I'm not exactly a vampire, although I am really pasty. Oh man. Okay. Well, on that note, that really fucking weird note. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a not superstitious but a little stitious slice of French mythology. <laughs> pineapple pizza podcast sweet and cheesy not everyone understands our awesomeness but we're glad that you do question mark